0: hey what's up guys and welcome to episode 32 of talk Four, the quickfire podcast where we ask four great questions to unique and interesting people behind the mic today is your host louis scoopian that's me and our special guest for today professor salvatore pace who's going to be answering our questions today professor salvo please say hi introduce yourself and give us a quick rundown of who you are and what you do before i shoot some questions
1: hi guys my name is professor salvatore pace i'm the regional director Gracie Baja for the southwest of the UK. I uh, am a multiple school owner. Uh, I am a uh, former world European and British champion in Jiu Jitsu. I have formed many champions across the board of uh, Jiu Jitsu, MMA and Nogi. And here we are. On the podcast for you
0: guys. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic, and I, I've heard so many amazing things about you, Professor Salvo. And um, I can't wait to ask four questions. But my first one, actually, is um, how was your trip to Italy recently? And um, before we jump into the four questions, did you have a nice time? Yeah, yet?
1: my trip to Italy was great. It was a, it's always a blast going back home, meeting up with uh, old friends and family. You That's know, and brilliant. I get to train whilst I'm there too. You know, so everything is fun.
0: Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you can see all your old friends and all the people you used to train with and stuff. But um whereabouts in Italy are you are you from originally? I'm from Sicily. Oh lovely place. Sicily. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. beautiful. Wow, that's fantastic. You must have had such a good time. But um anyway, um if you're good to go, should we jump on with question number one? Let's go. Brilliant. Right then. So you've been on a long, long journey with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I'd love to wind the clocks back a bit. So um, how did this all start for you? Why did you choose Brazilian jiu-jitsu and what was your inspiration behind it? Well, having
1: been a martial artist from a young age, I started martial arts when I was 10 years old mm-hmm. in Sicily. And uh, actually, I recently met up whilst I was there with my very first instructor. Wow. So having started martial arts when I was 10... Uh, I moved to the UK around about the age of 15, 16 years old with my family. Mm-hmm. And immediately I started training Thai boxing. Trained Thai boxing for many years. I did Western boxing. I also did uh, Olympic wrestling with the great and late Amir Smiley, who is the father of Saeed Smiley. Brilliant. And uh, it was a natural progression. In uh, 1993, the very first UFC came about. And everybody was mesmerized, including myself. Mm. So, together with some friends, we started to watch the UFC and we were just blown away. Next thing you know, we're all doing videotapes because at the time they were VHS tapes. And we started working on grappling whatever we could, you know. And I was very lucky to have, uh, you know, wrestling in my life already at that time, around about mid 90s. Yes. So, jujitsu came very natural to me. So, you know, I we did a lot of no-gi at that specific time and I was involved in the infancy of MMA here in Europe. Okay. Following that in the uh, early 2000s, I met Professor Carlos Lemos Jr. I put on the gi and the rest is history, my friend. Here
0: we go. Brilliant. And um how did how did Gracie Barra Bath come about then? So what what stage did that get created and you know how did that happen?
1: So Gracie Baja Bath happens like this, look, I, um, basically, I, at some point, I left the UK, I moved back to Italy, I opened Gracie Baja Sicily, whilst I was in Sicily, I was traveling a lot, I was going to Brazil, I was going to Portugal, I was going all over the world, you know, trying to train jiu-jitsu and compete jiu-jitsu, because I won the world championships in the last year that it was in Brazil. Mm. So, Following that, I went back to Italy and the academy was growing and everything was growing. The only problem was I realized that I could not fulfill the potential that I believed what I was doing had. So I decided to leave Italy and come back to the UK again. So in 2007, I opened Gracie Bath Bath.
0: I haven't opened Gracie Bath
1: Bath. It's just been, you know... uh, in the infancy, we, we encountered tough times because nobody knew what Jiu-Jitsu was. You know, nobody really knew anything about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, Gracie Baja, too. Nobody knew about Gracie Baja. Nobody knew about any of this. We had no curriculums. We had nothing. I had a patch uh,
2: <laughs>
1: from Gracie Baja. And uh, you know, we were all super proud to represent whenever we did manage to get a patch because not everybody managed. So having opened the first race of basketball here in the southwest of the UK, the funny story is actually when I came back to the UK, I met up with Professor Richard and his wife, Paula. Mm. And, uh, you know, because Richard and I were friends already. We had trained together for a little while too. So I went to their house and they asked me, so Salvo, what's what's your plan? What are you going to do? And this is about after five days I've been back in the UK. And I said, Rich, this is what, what's my plan. I'm going to open Gracie Bath. Bath. After I open Gracie Bahabath, I'm going to teach a bunch of guys. Once I teach a bunch of guys who get to a certain level, we're going to spread schools all over the, the, the area. They looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> they looked at me like, you know, I just said something which was unheard of. And to be honest, at that particular time, it was unheard of. It did sound crazy. But if we uh, look into where we're at today, you know, Southwest UK is the most densely populated area for grace sebascals on the planet.
0: Wow, really? That's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. I had no idea that was true. So, um, I mean, that that is fantastic. I mean, you must be mm. so proud of all of these schools that are just opening now and all these fantastic places to train jiu-jitsu that are all such a, a sanctuary for so many people to you know learn and to connect with other people and just go to the mats and have a great time I mean how many schools do we have then in, in the southwest I'm not entirely sure
1: I believe we have 22
0: <laughs> that's that's absolutely fantastic isn't it Jesus yeah, from yeah. I mean you, you must be so proud of that from opening the very first one and seeing it grow in this way well, I'm,
1: I'm blown away because, you know, the whole of the UK has 80. Now, if you put that into reference to where we are and the fact that we have over 20, I think we have the vast majority of them.
0: Are you, are you surprised by how popular jiu-jitsu has become over the last you know, few years and stuff and how you know, extensively it's grown, especially in, in the Southwest and stuff? Did you always expect that to happen or did you just always have the plan and think it would just work out this way?
1: I'm definitely not surprised. Definitely not surprised. I, I always knew, you know, I knew this with such conviction that I quit my job, sold everything I had and went to Brazil. I knew this with such conviction that that's what I did. My whole family looked at me as if I was uh, insane, you know. <laughs> and um, man, surprised? No, no, not one bit. I tell you what, we are, we are still scratching the surface.
0: Good. I'm glad to and hear leave you it. Believe when I tell
1: you, we're still scratching the surface. You know, I have regular talks with uh, the European director of Gracie Baja, Professor Victor Estima. We had a great conversation yesterday, one hour long. Mm. And so many things, so many exciting things are coming for us here. And I can't wait to be a part of those things. And I can't wait to be, you know, at the forefront of Gracie Baja, exactly in the place that I've always been, thanks to my Professor
0: Carlos Lemos Jr. and mm. Master Carlos Gracie Jr fantastic and um yeah I had I had um Professor Victor Steam on the on the podcast I think two episodes ago now and he was uh oh, he was he was a fantastic person he was really really down to earth great guy to talk to full of energy and um you know a true inspiration for you know what jiu-jitsu is and um now I love your story it's, it's to me that screams of just the true entrepreneur story as well you know you quit your job and you always had this belief of where it was going to go and you always knew even people who doubted you whether that was family and friends but Look at where you are now. <laughs> you must be. Lou, so proud. I, I gotta be
1: honest with you, Lou. Everybody doubted me. And the Everyone. reason everybody doubted me is because at the time, nobody did this in this area of the country, mm. let alone where I'm from. They still don't do it today where I'm from. You know? <laughs> yeah. So no, for me to have done this almost 20 years ago was completely unheard of, man.
0: Such a, such a, um, I mean you could call it a leap of faith but to me it sounds like you're always new and it's just paid off so you know credit to you for making that jump and um right I tell you what let's um let's jump into question number two now because and this is this is a very interesting one actually um obviously as you know discussed you're running Gracie Bar- uh, Bath and have done so for many years so um my question is, when it comes to teaching, do you find that not all exceptional jiu-jitsu athletes make good teachers also, or do they? And if not, what are some of the most important things for new instructors to work on to become good teachers when they're on the exit from fighting professionally?
1: So this is a really, really good question, right? Because I have so many friends in Gracie, Barra, so many amazing champions uh, of the past and present mm. who really... You know, I'm I'm sure they try, but are not exceptional teachers. Mm. Unfortunately, some talk too much, some talk too little, some show too much, some show too little. It's about finding the fine balance, you know, within every class and uh, finding the right analogy to be able to reach every student of every level that you have right in front of you. I've also been blessed. I mean, I've taught so many seminars all over the world. You know, I've been incredibly blessed uh, of being, I I don't know, I've taught 20, 25 seminars a year for God knows how many years all over the globe. And uh, with that, I've gained a lot of experience. And in the very early stages of my own journey, I used to try and show lots, 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 lots. But sometimes less is more, you know. Sometimes, if you focus on a little less, you're able to really bring home the techniques that you're trying to, to hand over to the students because this is there's a fine balance, right? I often see teachers who go and teach their best techniques. The problem with having taught their best techniques are most of the time, those techniques that they're teaching techniques that they would have drilled and uh, loved for a very long period of time
2: Mm.
1: now trying to teach that to someone else in a two-hour seminar or even worse in a one-hour class is really really tricky so what i tend to focus on on a basic class is three techniques three techniques per class and my goal is to make those techniques your techniques by the end of the class no longer my techniques Mm. does that make sense yeah because you know whatever I try and show is most likely something that I I like to do however the goal is to make sure that by the end of that class it becomes your technique rather than mine does that make sense
2: that does yes so
1: in order to do that I believe that every student uh, every student who goes on to become a coach, uh, an instructor, and then a professor must spend uh, adequate uh, amount of time next to his professor, learn the craft, uh, do the ICPs, the instructor certification programs, because these are super important tools for us today, which Gracie Bar provides. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, if we're able to bring all of those elements together of the ICP, the live experience of learning with your professor, and then your professor guiding you how to teach a class, how to get a message across, this will then become, you know, together with uh, increased experience on the map, it will become a, a, something that you're able to really transfer to someone else. Mm. And, and that's the goal when you're teaching jiu-jitsu. Uh, the goal is for me to make sure that I leave everything that I'm trying to teach with you.
0: Mm. Very good points. And all of that really resonated with me very much as well. And I think that that, uh, that transitions between sports a lot as well, because I've been playing tennis for many many years since about four years old i picked up the racket for the first time and if there's one thing i know about coaches is that a great player doesn't make a great coach and it's also vice versa so you know a not so good player makes one of the best coaches in the world for example nick volatieri you know the world renowned probably for the best coach ever could hardly hit a ball (laughs) he could feed balls though um and you know fantastic players that i've worked with but really just weren't coaches and that there's you know some of them were kind of new players just off the tour and coming into coaching for the first time or one of the first times and you could you could smell that the things they were trying to teach you were then kind of imposing on you whereas not really teaching you how to be the best player that you could be according to your strengths and your weaknesses and I think that's in all sports in all you know coaching situations that's definitely something very important so um I think I'll just um, ask as well, what do you think are maybe the top two or top three or something, initial mistakes that instructors, new instructors will make um, when teaching their first or second or third class or something, and how can they avoid them?
1: um, Before we get to that, let me just uh, touch on something. Mm. I think the, uh, the thing is this, look, the instructor must first identify the student. Each one of us have very different bodies, have very different minds. Some of us are longer, some of us are shorter, some of us are far more flexible than others. Mm. But if you are are teaching a complete system of jiu-jitsu and you have in-depth understanding of what you do and what you teach, you should be able to deliver that and for the athlete, person, student, be able to, absorb the information and perform whatever it is that he or she learns, you know, with with ease, Mm -hmm. providing you understand the body type. Now, I'll give you an example. There is no point for myself, who I'm just barely over five foot seven, and that's perhaps me being generous, (laughs) to try and do Braulio techniques. Braulio Estima is a friend of mine, somebody I've known for many, many years, somebody I respect greatly, but his Jiu-Jitsu and my Jiu-Jitsu, it's very, very different. And the reason it's so different is because of our body types. We learned the same techniques. We learned pretty much from the same curriculum. And the source of the teaching comes from Master Carlos Gracie Jr. So the source was the same, but our bodies are so different and our minds work differently. So our Jiu-Jitsu becomes different.
0: Mm. Now,
1: Going back to the question that you asked, if you could repeat that for me very quickly, please.
0: Yeah, sure. So what would you say maybe are the top, I don't know, top two, top three things that an instructor going into their first lesson that they will be teaching or first individual session or first two or three lessons? What do you think will be some of the most initial obvious mistakes that they're going to make? But, you know, if you could you know, list them out, maybe they could avoid them.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, some of the mistakes that perhaps they're going to make, is to try and over-explain something.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that's perhaps number one. So talking too much. You know, I know guys who have been teaching jiu-jitsu for a couple of years and still can't stop talking. <laughs> you know, and this is yeah. great to a certain extent, but ultimately the student wants to just get on with it. You have an hour. You know, you have an hour, you get to the mat, you learn your technique, you try to apply it. And try and get on with it. And as I said, you have to try and find that balance of uh, not over talking, but not giving, not uh, not giving short, uh, leaving the, the the student short of the information either. Mm. So there's a fine balance in that.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: the other thing is, you know, trying not to be nervous. If your professor gave you the responsibility of trying to teach a class, it's because he believes in you. You know, she believes in you. He believes in you. And that's the reason that you are there trying to teach that class in the first place. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very good points and totally, totally on point with that, I think. And um, (laughs) hopefully that helps someone. And um, right, so to uh, to move on to question three. Say again, sorry.
1: And the third thing, because I only listed two at that point. (laughs) The third thing is don't overcomplicate anything. Mm. Don't overcomplicate things. you know it's it's there keep it simple keep it basic deliver it sharp
0: perfect thank you for that right so um for question number three then um this is probably quite relevant to me as well um Obviously you have seen many white belts go through their progressions since their first day. So my question is, what are some of the most important things for white belts to focus on in their first few months? And is it important for them to develop their own personality in Jiu-Jitsu based on their strengths and weaknesses at this stage? Or should they focus on the fundamentals to start with and work on that later?
1: So I believe the fundamentals of Jiu-Jitsu are going to make a great black belt at some point. So I know today there are, you know, many trends of uh, guards, different guards, you know, different uh, people attacking footlocks and all sorts of things. And these are all great and very, very useful techniques. However, there is no way that I will abandon uh, the fundamentals of Jiu-Jitsu in order to go and do a new school technique without keeping the basic structure. So the basic structure means that if you have a strong fundamental understanding of the game, you are going to be able to do everything and anything. And even when you make a mistake, right, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to come back from the mistake. Right. Contrary to the person who has weak fundamentals so if you have weak fundamentals and you jump straight onto a leg lock and you don't have the understanding of the guard passing the control and so forth if you make a mistake you're most likely not going to be able to come back from it mm. so these for me are some of the core parts of understanding why the fundamentals are so important you know i'll give you the best example roger gracie Roger Gracie was recently at my house. We had lunch here together with Professor Carlos uh, just a couple of months ago. And, you know, again, Roger is somebody I've known for several, several years, and great conversation and so forth. But let's get on to his jiu-jitsu. Roger's jiu-jitsu is incredibly simple to the eye, to the onlooking eye. But there is sophistication within the simplicity of his fundamentals mm. his fundamentals are so good that everybody knows exactly what he's going to do but he still does it <laughs> and nobody can stop him from doing it wow that's fantastic you know, let's what we got to do is take a look back a couple of years ago when roger fought Bushesha. Bushesha in the absence of roger in the idgf world championships Won ten world championships, absolutes weight division, won everything. ADCC. Whilst Roger was focusing on his MMA career,
2: right
1: when Roger decided to retire from MMA, he decided to challenge himself by challenging the absolute best guy that Jiu-Jitsu had to offer at that point, and in that day was Bushecha. Yeah. Roger for Bushecha in, in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. And this is a match for everybody that they can go to YouTube and watch the match. It's 12 or so minutes. It's a beautiful match. And the simplicity of Roger's game, yet the precision of his game, made Bouchesha, who is an incredible athlete, guys, made him look like a black belt against a blue belt.
0: Wow. I mean, I have to say I haven't seen that fight, but um, I'm definitely going to go and have a look at that you straight up we're it. done. I will. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so basically to summarize, then you, you would say that for someone new to jiu-jitsu and someone in their first few months of training, it's probably far more important for them to build those pillars and build those foundations and then start to kind of branch out a bit from there after you have, you know, that solid base built with the fundamentals, you know, in, in the 100 stages brilliant thank you very much and i shall i shall do that for sure (laughs) your your
1: (laughs) professor professor rich has has been my student for many many years Mm. and uh, professor rich has incredible fundamentals
0: yes you know his fundamental
1: game is is spot on and he is such a great teacher these days you know he has such passion he he teaches with such love Mm. and his school is a reflection of what he does you know so you guys are in, in in an amazing place
0: Absolutely. Yeah, he is. He is an absolutely fantastic teacher and it has been you know, a true pleasure to be training there and to get introduced to, to uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu from Rich. And um, yeah, it, it is an absolute pleasure. Right. Well, then anyway, so to move on to our fourth and final question, Professor Salvo, um, this is quite a deep one. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a deep one. So if we have one or a few listeners today tuned in who are suffering in life, whether that be mental health, addiction, hard times or anything, Do you think that jujitsu is something that could turn their life around? And if it is, what would you say to help them make the right move and go to their first session at a local school? Wow.
1: Wow. This is a deep question. This (laughs) is an incredible question. And it's a question that is very close to me. And the reason that it's a question that is very close to me is because, man, I've dealt with uh, this situation, not in the first person, not for myself, but I have a student who comes from this situation. I have a student who was uh, man, supremely overweight, mm. alcohol dependent, drug dependent. and his, his life through Jiu-Jitsu changed. But you have to understand, right? Uh, for every person that there is like that, if there is not the professor that cares, that person will not make it. And why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because this particular person, and he couldn't even pay his fees for jiu So many months he would come to me and say, Professor, I don't have the money. Oh, I can't afford it. Can I pay next month? And you know what? If, if I had been by the book, he, this particular guy would have never even made it to Blue Belt. Mm-hmm. If I had been by the book. However, I opened my doors, I opened my heart, I opened my house, and wow, I gave everything that I could. This person made it to Blue Belt and beyond. This person got in shape, left those addictions behind. This person went on to be successful. Uh, This person carries on living life through jujitsu today
0: that's brilliant that's a deep story as well isn't it
1: it is a deep story and it's a true story you know like i said this is a story that is very close to me
2: i can Um, tell i have no doubt about uh, it it, yeah
1: it it, it's a it's a close story to me and at this particular time i'm going to add it's an emotional story because you know having worked so much in overcoming these challenges having worked tired tirelessly having never looked at financial gains having given and given and given you know Mm. and unless you find that professor that is willing to overlook like i said so many months he came to me oh I, i don't have enough money can i pay next month can i pay next month yeah sure you know,
0: it's um, very kind of you.
1: We, we made it through Here we
0: are. That's that's a that's a beautiful story. And um, yeah, I just want to ask on the subject as well. Um, I'm not I'm not talking about the white belt who comes in for a session and then there's 20, 30 sessions and then leaves. But I mean, the jujitsu practitioner who would go to blue belt and beyond and, you know, spend years at it. Is there anyone that you've seen who's actually stuck with jiu-jitsu who you think hasn't actually benefited in their life from doing so?
1: You know, once in a while, you do run into that particular type of student too. Mm.
0: Um,
1: you know, I've had the privilege of teaching so many, so many people. And, uh, you know, I, I've been blessed. I've been so blessed. And I say this over and over again, but my blessings also come through my professor, my professor Carlos Lemos Jr., Mm. Has opened endless doors to me. And the doors that he opened to me uh, allowed me to open doors for others. Mm. Now, I have had guys in the past who get to a certain level and find a mental block. Now, the mental block comes in the form of when you get to a certain level and you start getting successful on the mat, and you start looking down at people, when you start to look down of the person who has slightly lesser experience than you or lesser jujitsu than you, this is usually a really, really bad sign. Mm. Usually you're hitting a point where you are now beginning to refuse to learn right and you know we as human beings will learn for as long as we want to learn the moment you decide not to learn it's over in anything
0: absolutely you know
1: uh in in jujitsu as well as any other walk of life and i was having this very conversation yesterday with professor victor Mm you know and the the question was that you know I've been involved with this for so many years even before victor came to the uk and the, the conversation was that I said to him that I'd learned from him victor's younger than me and I said to him that I'd learned from him certain things on how to approach certain situations within Jiu-Jitsu, and within the, the, you know, the, the, the way that we are directing racing behind this sort of area of the country. Mm. And these are all very, very relevant, because whether it becomes on the mat or off the mat. I said to Victor, I wake up every day with white belt eyes. What does that mean? It means I'm willing to go to the mat every single day and look at everyone's technique. And I'm happy to learn from everybody. Absolutely everybody. The technique may be something I can carry on myself to use, or it may be something that I'll put aside and leave it behind. But I'm still open and willing to learn from everyone. At my age, which I'm going to be 48 in a couple of months, and, uh, you know, at third degree black belt, we have nearly been a black belt for 15 years almost, you know. So this is is exactly what I'm saying. You choose when it's time for you to stop learning. It is in your hands. So keep that beautiful open mind. Keep that mind uh, like a sponge. Be inquisitive. Be the guy or girl who wants to know everything and learn everything from everyone. Mm -hmm. And your jujitsu journey will continue to flourish. The only people that I have encountered, and I have encountered a handful, over the years who uh, hit that roadblock is the ones who decide that they are better than the next person and that they cannot learn from that person.
0: Mm, that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful little statement you made there. And and I love the quote about waking up with white belt eyes, but I can't help but think that I'm not going to have much trouble for the next couple of years waking up with white belt eyes. <laughs> um, that, that seems to happen every day regardless, but um Anyway, um, Professor Salva, I want to ask one more thing, actually, now that we have a bit of time um, and just on the same subject as well. You you, you know, you've coached so many, so many students, uh, you know, in different countries all around the world in your seminars. And I want to I want to just ask, what do you think that makes the best students the best students? So. What has set apart, you know, the ones who have done exceptionally well from just all the other ones who've just gone and trained and become either average or just decent? What do you think it is that makes the best students go the furthest?
1: Well, first of all, it's the willingness to work hard Mm. and the willingness to listen, the willingness to be open, the willingness to be humble. Right. I've had guys who were so talented, so, so talented, that I thought that these guys would become world champions. Mm. And yet, the talented guy refused to work hard. So you know what happens? The guy with less talent, who, who does never want to stop working, eventually overcomes the talented guy. Mm. Because all he does is work, 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 work. So hard work beats talent. You Absolutely. Know, this is the one thing. And it, it, it's a very rare combination when you find somebody who is super talented and yet has the work ethic and the humbleness to put together the package and keep his head down and continue to work hard. And, uh, you know, right now in uh, Grace by Bath, we have a, an extremely uh, talented young athlete who does work hard, and has an amazing support system from his family, from myself, from Professor Carlos. And we are hoping that this year he becomes one of the UK's ambassadors, as he is also already uh, uh, an ambassador for the Illinois region of uh, the United States. And this is my student, Cypress Hughes. Mm -hmm. Cypress is a young man, 12 years old. Uh, He's been training jiu-jitsu with us for seven years. And at this stage, he is a two-time world champion, four-time European champion, four-time British champion. And his medals, man, he has more medals than I even remember. <laughs> That's the truth.
0: Wow. But the kid
1: has uh, a very good work ethic, a very good skill level, and he can come up and work hard. He just spent one month in the United States with Professor Carlos Lemus Jr., and uh, you know these these are things that uh, that build dreams. Mm-hmm. You know the, that type of work ethic and the support system from his father, Terry, and his mother Tracy, Tracy and Terry Hughes, and these guys give everything for their children. and man, it's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible to watch,
0: uh, yeah, that is. That is absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I I can imagine you must be so, so proud of him and so excited for what's going to come. And um, it always helps to have a couple of, you know, fantastic parents on board as well to help support, you know, these dreams. And, you know, I'm glad that he's seen the success he has because, you know, someone who works super hard like that, who has that talent and is committed to doing, you know, the things he does that, you know, you get what you deserve. I think hopefully at least most of the time. And um, yeah, I just want to ask, how old is he? He's old. 12. He's years 12 old years old and doing that well. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. honestly.
0: That's fantastic. Incredible. Right. You said
1: something there. You said something that hit a hit a chord for me. What everybody ends up with. Everybody ends up where they deserve. Mm. You are a hundred percent right.
0: Absolutely. Even if it isn't happening up, straight up where away. they deserve. Yeah.
1: It. Yeah. In every shape or form. You know, everybody ends up where they deserve. So, you know, I'll give you an example. My professor and I have the most incredible relationship. We have always had the most incredible relationship. It's always been a relationship of brotherhood, loyalty, and trust. Mm. I don't think that is, uh, it's uh, a pure coincidence that I've ended up where I am at today. I think that today I am a multiple school owner, an entrepreneur of jujitsu original director, because of the direct input of my professor as well as my own hard work.
0: Brilliant. And that, that just backs up exactly what you said as well. So yeah, I think um, hopefully that is true for everyone who's working hard out there and wants to achieve great things and has that, that drive. So um, Professor Salvo, that is our four questions done for today, well, four and a bit rather. (laughs) And uh, before we wrap it up, it is time for what I like to call the shameless plug. So Professor Salvo, feel free to take a minute and promote anything that you're working on you want people to take a look at or just something that you believe in.
1: So guys, here we are. Gracie Baja West Wilts in Westbury Wiltshire is a premium school that we have just opened. The facility is second to none the math space is humongous. We have the best mats money can buy. We have five black belt teachers, uh, six, including myself. All classes are taught by black belts, including children's classes. Every class is taught by a black belt. MMA is free. Muay Thai is free at the school, taught by a former professional fighter and black belt professor, Harvey Dines, who has 17 professional fights under his belt. Man, this school is incredible. Come and check it out. Come and get a free trial lesson at any one of my schools, Gracie Baja Bath, Gracie Baja West Wilts in Westbury Wiltshire, Gracie Baja Gillingham, and shortly to come, Gracie Baja Radstock which we'll be working on in the next month.
0: Ooh. I mean, guys, you, you, you can't ask for more than that, really, can you? And I um, just want to say as well that I believe that there is a, a grand opening of the Westworlds Academy um, with Professor Carlos Lemus Jr. coming down as well. And um, I'm hoping to be there as well. And um, just confirm it is on the 22nd, isn't it?
1: The grand opening of Gracie Bach Westworlds. So the school is already open. We did the soft opening. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to do was do something super special. So there's nothing more special for me than to have my professor on the Mets together with me. So we're flying in Professor Carlos from Chicago and uh, he's going to be doing the grand opening seminar at Gracie Bar West Wales on the 22nd of September, 7 p.m.
0: And it's not just for current members, is it? It's for anyone and everyone, isn't it? It's
1: open to everyone. Guys, you've got no excuses. Talk to your professors (laughs) or contact me directly at Gracie Bar, on uh, Gracie Bar West Wiltz at mail.com.
0: Brilliant. Guys, get up there or get down there or just get over there. It's going to be a great one. Professor Salvo, thank you so much for joining me today for the Talk 4 podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Louis. I've really enjoyed
0: talking to you awesome well thank you guys for listening this has been episode 32 and if you'd like to listen to our past episodes go and have a look at our channel and if you'd like to listen in for our future ones make sure to hit that subscribe button and spread some love by leaving a like and a comment signing off for now